Welcome to this week's Audio Digest edition of the Evening Times, from Friday the 7th to Thursday the 13th of September 2018. Read by volunteers at Kuhn Review Print Speaking to the Blind at our studios in the Bishop Briggs Media Centre. The headlines in Part 1. Appeal to trace man after violent and unprovoked attack. Robbie Williams and wife Ada welcome new baby. Proven Mill man Thomas Malloy slashes friend for calling him a pedo. We don't need to be turned into Sports Direct. Mike Ashley visits House of Fraser in Glasgow. Glasgow Bar is offering free beer in return for customers dumping mainstream lager. McSorley's Music Bar has announced shot closure. Susan Atkin, Hampton's national asset. How are we even debating Scotland and even Glasgow? Scottish boy, eight, fighting for life after being found at bottom of Benidorm Pool. Airdrie shooting. Man pronounced dead at scene. Strong gusts batter Glasgow after heavy overnight downpours. Birthday boy, 13, chased and threatened with knife by mobile phone thief in Pollock Shields. Iceland to stop selling plastic packaged bananas. Dozens of homes for social rent planned for Castle Milk. Lee McCulloch. The points may not be there, but Rangers' progress since Pedro is huge. Derek Johnston. Kenny Miller must tell us what really happened in the Rangers' dressing room. Cordial workers praised for 2,000 years of service to Glasgow. Council criticised for failure to support community during Victoria Infirmary development. Window crashes 20 feet into playground of East End School. Glasgow tourist tax could rise millions for the city. This is an article from the Evening Times Online, written 10th of September 2018, written by Aftab Ali. Socky Hall Street Assault, appeal to trace man after violent and unprovoked attack. The force has released CCTV images of a man they want to speak to. The incident occurred around 3.30am on Friday, March 16th and saw a 19-year-old male be seriously assaulted. He suffered injuries requiring hospital treatment. Officers believe a man they are looking to trace may be able to assist with their inquiries. He is described as being in his early 20s wearing a black t-shirt with the words Van Off Wall written on the back, black skinny jeans and black trainers. Detective Constable John Fagan, Greater Glasgow CID, who was dealing with his inquiries, said, this was a violent and unprovoked assault on a young man enjoying a night out in Glasgow. The victim, who was separated from his friends, was assaulted for no apparent reason, causing him serious injuries. It's important we identify this individual and we speak to the assistance of the public in tracking down those responsible. Anyone with information is asked to contact Greater Glasgow Police on 101 or alternatively contact Crime Stoppers on 0800. 555-111, where information can be passed anonymously. This is an article from Aftab Ali. The Evening Times. News. Record on 7th of September, 2018. Robbie Williams and wife Ada welcome new baby. From the Evening Times Online. Robbie Williams and wife Ada Field have surprised fans by announcing they have become parents to a baby girl via surrogate. X-Factor Judge Field, 39, said it had been a very long and difficult path to get here. Colette Coco Josephine Williams, who is biologically ours, 
and carried by an incredible surrogate mother, is the newest addition to the family and will be sister to Teddy and Charlie. Field posted a black and white image on Instagram with the baby's hand alongside those of her siblings and parents. I spy with my little eye, an extra little hand, she wrote. So we have been keeping a very special secret. We are delighted to share with you that we have had a baby girl. Welcome to the world, Colette Coco Josephine Williams. It has been a very long and difficult path to get here, which is why we have kept it on the down low. She added, Family comes in all forms, and this little lady, who is biologically ours, was carried by an incredible surrogate mother, to whom we will be eternally grateful. We are over the moon to have this beautiful baby girl in our lives, and so blessed that we live in a world which makes this possible. As of Teddy and Charlie, we ask that you respect Coco's privacy and allow us to grow into our new team of five. Hashtag Team Williams. Singer Williams, 44, and Field are currently appearing on screen together as X Factor judges. From the Evening Times Online. The Evening Times. News. Recorded on the 11th of September, 2018. Provenmill man Thomas Malloy slashes friend for calling him a pedo. By group content editor Janice Mitchell. New Year celebrations turned sour when a Provenmill man knifed a friend after being branded a pedo. Thomas Malloy, 49, slashed his victim and threatened, I came here to kill you. The violent attack took place following a family gathering in Glasgow during the New Year's Day party. An argument broke out between the accused and his victim. The complainer returned home after the altercation, but at around 1am the next morning, Malloy turned up at his door. The victim let the accused in, but as the pair made their way up a set of stairs, Malloy attacked. The complainer... Alerted by the look of horror on a woman's face who was standing at the top of the stairs, turned around in time to see Malloy brandish a metal object believed to be a knife. Malloy menaced, you called me a pedo. The man threw his arms around the woman to protect her as he was slashed on the back by the sharp weapon. The victim then retaliated by punching Malloy down the stairs. The accused stated, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, you called me a pedo, I came here to kill you. Another witness arrived at the house in time to hear Malloy say, I can't believe what I've just done. Malloy's victim was rushed to Glasgow Royal Infirmary, where he received treatment on two lacerations on his back. One cut required six stitches. The incident happened at an address in Moody'sbourne Street on January 2nd, 2018. At Glasgow Sheriff Court this week, Malloy pleaded guilty to assaulting a man by repeatedly striking him with a knife or similar implement on his body to his injury. Defending, Mr Murphy stated that Malloy, of Lock Green Street, was extremely regretful. He said, the accused is really sorry for what happened. He's not quite so sure why he got himself so angry. Sheriff Alan Findlay told the accused, this is serious, you know it's serious. Malloy avoided jail, but was sentenced to a community payback order with supervision for a year as a direct alternative to custody. He was also handed 300 hours of unpaid work and was ordered to pay his victim £1,000 compensation. Sheriff Findlay warned Malloy, you breach this order, you're straight up to Barlini. By group content editor, Janess Mitchell. Here at Q&A Review, we're always looking for more volunteer presenters, producers and sound technicians to volunteer with us and help produce our daily talking newspapers for the blind. If you're interested, please leave a message on our answering service at 0141 772 3976 or email us at information at qandreview.com. This is an article from Evening Times Online, 10th of September 2018.
We don't need to be turned into Sports Direct. Mike Ashley visits House of Fraser in Glasgow. Ashley was spotted on Buchanan Street before he was given a tour of a retail outlet on Friday afternoon. We reported last month that he paid £90 million for 59 House of Fraser stores and all of the stock after the retailer went into administration. The ex-Rangers shareholder revealed his plans was to transform House of Fraser into the Howards of the High Street. He also wants to keep as many shops open as possible. Staff, however, are concerned about their future with the company. One long-serving staff member told the Daily Record, Ashley says he's going to make us the Howards of the High Street, but that's not how it's working out so far. There's a big space in the store now selling Firetrap Casual Clothing, which is a Sports Direct brand. The whole idea is pile them high and sell them cheap, just like Sports Direct, and certainly not looking like House of Fraser is going to be the kind of quality outlet people are used to. We're happy to have him visit in the store. He does now own it after all, so he can do what he likes. We just hope when he's here, he'll see that we desperately need investment. We don't need to be turned into a massive Sports Direct store. This is an article from Evening Times Online. The Evening Times News Recorded on the 12th of September, 2018 Glasgow bars offering free beer in return for customers dumping mainstream lager By Holly Lennon A Glasgow bar is giving away free beer to celebrate the release of its new product under one condition Brewdog on Argyle Street and Hutchinson Street is giving drinkers the opportunity to trade in bad beer in return for a pint of its new headliner beer, Lost Lager the independent brewery will have a designated bad beer bin where visitors can dump their unwanted cans. Brewdog bosses have taken aim at big breweries in their latest campaign who they say have been peddling mass-produced fizzy yellow swill. The amnesty will be held from midday to closing time today in all participating bars. Brewdog co-founder James Watt said, Lost Lager is our best lager to date. A crisp, clean pilsner with hints of spice and a zesty lime marmalade character. To mark its launch, we wanted to give beer drinkers a chance to taste a lager made with soul and passion, rather than the mass-produced fizzy yellow swill that the big breweries have been peddling for years. So bin your Budweiser, say farewell to Foster's, and get your hands on a pint of lost lager. For decades, the craft of lager has been lost and forgotten, bastardised by mega breweries, putting profit before flavour. But brewed right... Lager can pack huge flavour and offer a really exciting style with depth and character. We have been working hard on nailing this recipe for months, and we know anyone who has a taste of lost lager will never look back. By Holly Lennon The Evening Times News Recorded on the 11th of September, 2018 McSorley's Music Bar has announced shock closure. By columnist slash reporter, Gatriona Stewart Glasgow music favourite McSorley's has announced a shock closure. The pub, which has been a showcase for hundreds of bands, says it is closing our doors for the last time on Saturday. Bosses for the bar posted the news on Facebook and blamed the closure on a wrangle with suppliers that has left staff without beer to sell. The statement reads, We have done our best to keep going as long as possible, despite being strangled from above. We are now at the stage where we cannot hide it any longer. We apologise to any customer who has been disappointed of late, but can assure you we have done our best in what has been an impossible situation. At this point I would personally like to thank our staff, who despite knowing what's been going on, stood by us and gave us their support. 
also to the bands and residents who have performed in the last two years. Sorry we are not bringing better news, and this is with a heavy heart we do this. Fans expressed shock at the closure of the Jamaica Street favourite. David Williamson wrote, I have over a long period visited, drank and ate in McSorley's. I have listened to many bands and singers alike. This is sad news. I thank you all for your hospitality. I wish you well in the future. So sad. Gary Ryan added, sorry to hear that. We, Deep River, have always enjoyed playing in there. Best pub in Glasgow for live music. All the best with new ventures. And Leslie Hay said, sorry to hear it, cracking pub and atmosphere. It'll be a sad day indeed, especially for music lovers. Wishing you all the best going forward, and it's such a shame that it's no fault of your own. By columnist slash reporter, Catriona Stewart. This is, an o- this is an article from the Evening Times, 11th of September 2018. Written by columnist Susan Atkin. Susan Atkin, Hampton's a national asset. How are we even debating Scotland and even Glasgow? So I'll write this in advance of Scotland's game against Albania in the Nations League and in the aftermath of what can only be described as a thrashing from Belgium. But I have solid grounds for football and optimism. On a couple of fronts, firstly, we are indeed going to a World Cup. Shirley Kerr takes the Scotland's women team to France next summer, one of only two different sides in the competition. This is an absolutely stunning achievement by Shelley and the girls, and one being rightly celebrated. Secondly, the signs for Hampton remain in the home of Scottish national sides, as well as semi-finals and finals look promising. At the time of writing, no decision has been made, but those championing the Hampton cause made a terrific case. Both these things I have mentioned above are not unrelated, if, as I hope it will, Hampton and not Murrayfield is announced for SFA's choice, then it is too for the next 100 years those in charge of our national game must be looking at not for the last 150. Hampton is a national asset, part of the fabric of Glasgow's life, but the fact we have had this discussion at all shows how the collective eye has been t- of a peripheral ball. How have we been discussing taking football out of this city? Ahead of the anticipated decision, we have had timely intervention by the head of Glasgow Airport, Derek Proven, like myself, someone now involved with the world of football, but actually aware of what Hampton means to Glasgow's international reputation. To lose it would travesty for the city's hard-earning reputation as a global player on the sporting stage. I totally agree, Derek. A few years ago, I made the chase for Hampton, for Glasgow, of what the City Council can accommodate in principle to improve the stadium experience and the work we can do with partners around some of the wider issues. That remains the case, and the SFA is receiving support from the government in a staging of the showcase Euro 2020. It's what happens after that where we hope the SFA can step up to the plate and give us a vision for what Hampton can become in the next 10, 20 or 30 years. We can't just talk about the glory of the finals we've hosted in the past without discussing how we really can build on Hampton as a city asset and a catalyst for improvements, particularly around the south side indeed. Derek Province intervention looks as much to the future as it does in the past. We have heard throughout this process the success of other small and medium-sized nations in making their study of it anticipates of much of their civic life. 
Again, let's see if a correct decision permitting how the guardians of the same in this country can borrow from the successors of, say, Sylvania. I have been really heartened by how the local community has expressed its deep-rooted affinity with Hampton during this campaign. Again, the fears of losing something we have perhaps taken for granted has filled that. In the event of a green light to win, then I really want to see how the SFA, most likely the new owners of Hampton if they are main, will build on that. The seeds are there, so let's grow them. And back to Shelley and her team. Again, we have something to build on here. How can the SFA capitalise on its fantastic success? What is the vision for women's game? What would give me such a thrill would be the announcement that Hampton is to remain our national stadium. The move has resulted in a fair and equitable steal for Queen's Park. That the SFA is working on its post-2020 vision, and that we'll see Kim Little, Jane Ross, Erin Cuthbert, Jean Betty and the rest of the team us on Hampton's hallowed turf in the not-too-distant future so they can share their success with the rest of us. This is an article from Susan Atkin. Neving Times News Recorded on the 13th of September 2018 Scottish boy, 8, fighting for life after being found at bottom of Benidorm Pool. From the Evening Times Online A Scottish schoolboy is fighting for his life after he was found lying at the bottom of a swimming pool in the Spanish holiday resort Benidorm. The Scottish Sun reports that Blair Scott, 8, was discovered in the pool at the Magic Robin Hood Resort before he was rescued by two holidaymakers on Sunday. It is understood that the youngster from Livingston was on holiday with his dad Kevin and stepmom Ashley Moore when the incident occurred. A former British soldier, Gareth McAllister from Leeds, has been called a hero along with a Spanish fireman for saving the little boy's life. They performed CPR until an air ambulance arrived to take him to hospital. Ivan Munoz, a communications representative on behalf of the resort, said a defibrillator was available in the hotel reception but was not used at the time. The Scot is now fighting for his life in the intensive care unit of a hospital in Alicante. An appeal was also made on social media for videos or pictures of the incident. Benidorm's British Businesses Association, BBBA, posted an update on Blair's condition on behalf of the family. A statement said he is still critical but fighting hard. He is currently under sedation. We are offering our support and pray that young Blair continues to fight and make a full recovery. From the Evening Times Online. If you are blind or partially sighted, or know someone who is, they may be eligible to receive a BWBF Sonata Plus internet audio player, where our podcasts are available. To qualify for a free permanent loan from BWBF of a Sonata internet radio, please contact your local agent. Please note you will need to be resident in the UK, registered blind or partially sighted, over the age of eight, and in receipt of a means-tested benefit, or have a parent or guardian in receipt if you are under 18. If you think you qualify, you can find your local agent at www.blind.org.uk. And remember, when setting up the player, ask for Q and Review. Now, back to the main programme. The Evening Times News. Recorded on the 7th of September, 2018. Airdrie shooting. Man pronounced dead at scene. By senior digital journalist, Aftab Ali. A man has died at the scene of a shooting in Airdrie. 
Police Scotland said its officers were called to an incident involving a firearm in the North Lanarkshire town's Gartness Drive at around 8.10pm on Thursday. Following the arrival of emergency services, a man was found seriously injured and pronounced dead at the scene. Police are treating the death as suspicious and inquiries are underway to establish the full circumstances surrounding the incident. Anyone with information is asked to contact Coatbridge CID via 101, quoting incident number 3626 of Thursday, September 6th, 2018. The Evening Times had previously reported how a police helicopter and an ambulance were at the scene. An eyewitness had told the title there were eight police cars where local roads were cordoned off by senior digital journalist Aftab Ali. This is an article from the Evening Times, 11th September 2018. Strong gusts batter Glasgow after heavy overnight downpours. After heavy overnight downpours, many across the city have woken up to windy conditions. Tuesday will be largely bright day with sunny spells and a few showers in and around the city. It will be a breezy day with a strong and gusty southwesterly wind, said the Met Office, when the maximum temperatures is set to be around the 16 Celsius mark. Tonight we'll see clear periods and scattered showers for a time. Overall it's set to be a cool night for fresh westerly winds with a minimum temperature around 7 Celsius. The Evening Times News Record on the 11th of September 2018 Birthday Boy 13 Chased and threatened with knife by mobile phone thief in Pollock Shields. By Stacey Mullen. A teenage boy was chased and threatened with a knife by a thief who stole his mobile phone. The 13 year old was left terrified after the robbery, which happened on his birthday in the Pollock Shields area on Monday at around 3 40 pm. The victim was walking along Terriglees Avenue when he was approached by a man on a bike who demanded his mobile phone. The boy ran off through Maxwell Park to get away, but the robber chased him and caught up with him in Spring, Kell Avenue, near St Andrew's Drive, where he threatened the boy with a knife and stole his mobile phone. The suspect is described as Asian, mid-twenties, 5 foot 9 inches to 5 foot 10 inches, dark brown slash black hair, brown eyes and slim to medium build. He was wearing a dark grey hooded bomber jacket and baggy grey jogging bottoms. He was riding a royal blue mountain bike. Constable Graham Nicholson, Greater Glasgow Division Community Investigation Unit said, Although not injured by the man, this was a frightening experience for the young boy whose birthday it was yesterday as well. Officers are checking CCTV in the area and are keen to speak to anyone who saw the man on the bike or the robbery happen. Local schools are coming out and there were people in the area, particularly Maxwell Park at that time. Maybe someone saw the man on the bike chase the boy or saw him hanging around the area prior to the incident. If you have any information that will assist us identify the man responsible for this cowardly crime, please call officers at the Community Investigation Unit at Govan Police Station via 101, quoting reference number 2344 of 10th of September 2018. Or Crime Stoppers on 0800 555 111, where details can be given anonymously. By Stacey Mullen. The Evening Times. News. Recorded on the 12th of September, 
2018. Iceland to stop selling plastic packaged bananas. Supermarket Iceland has started selling pre-packaged bananas in a recycled paper band in a move it says will soon be saving 10 million plastic bags a year. The new packaging has launched in free Iceland stores as an initial trial and will extend to a further 120 stores later this week before a national rollout by the end of the year. The retailer has said a total of 420 million packs of bananas were sold in the UK each year and urged other supermarkets to follow its lead. The newly packaged bananas are the first product in any major UK supermarket to bear the plastic-free trust mark, launched by campaign group A Plastic Planet earlier this year. Iceland said the move was part of its commitment to remove plastic from all of its own label packaging by 2023. Iceland Managing Director Richard Walker said, People have become so used to buying their products wrapped in plastic, or indeed using plastic bags for loose produce. And this has to stop if we are to turn down the tap on plastics. This move alone will have a significant impact on our plastics consumption, and is one of the first of many solutions that are in development. Our customers support our move to reduce single-use plastic, and we are pleased to share this important milestone with many more to come. Waitrose replaced plastic bags with a sticky band on its Dutchy Organic brand of bananas last month, saying the move would save 8 tonnes of plastic a year. It said the band was a temporary step before it introduces compostable bags for Waitrose and Partners' Dutchy bananas in a few months. This is an article from the Evening Times, 11th of September 2018, written by Holly Lennon. Dozens of homes for social rent planned for Castle Milk. Casa Milk could be welcoming dozens of new homes for social rent if plans are given a go-ahead. Developers have earmarked cleared grounds on Castle Milk Drive at Marchy Ward for 60 flats. Cruden Estates have applied on behalf of Castleton Housing Association to build for three-storey development. Plans include 48 to two-bedroom flats six of them suitable for people in wheelchairs and 12 one-bedroom flats. The site was put up for sale by City Property before being brought over by Cruden Estate who split it into two phases, Mercury East and Mercury West. The site sits within an area designated for housing. A public consultation was held on July 2017 involving the local community, relevant stakeholders and interest groups. A planning statement included in the plans reads, The proposal is for residential development on a brownfield site that will provide much-needed housing for social rent to meet the need of the local community. The brief has been developed by Castleton Housing Association in accordance with their identified housing needs to ensure a viable and desirable development in Castlemilk. The plans will now go before city planners. This is an article from Holly Lennon. Remember, this programme is just a fraction of what we produce. You can access more daily content online via our website, qandreview.com forward slash free podcasts for free daily podcasts of the Evening Times and Herald Scotland newspapers, weekly digests of the National Newspaper and weekly full readings of Inside Soap magazine. Now, back to the main programme. The Evening Times. Sport. 
recorded on the 12th of September 2018. Lee McCulloch. The points may not be there, but Rangers' progress since Pedro is huge. By Evening Times columnist, Lee McCulloch. When an international break comes around, managers are always asked if it has come at a good or bad time for them. On the face of it, after a defeat in the Old Firm Derby, it would look to have been a bad timing for Rangers to have been left licking their wounds. I'm sure the players, whether they are away with their countries or not, would have loved to have gotten out on the pitch that midweek to put things right. But after the hectic start to the season, I actually believe that the respite might be a good thing for Rangers and it will give the players and the manager a chance to reflect on what they have achieved in the jam-packed schedule they had from July through to the start of September. Steven Gerrard should be very proud of what he has managed to implement in such a short space of time. I have seen people pointing at the relatively low return on points in the league as evidence that this Rangers side are no better than the other ones over the last couple of seasons. But nothing could be further from the truth. Let me tell you, watching this Rangers team is like night and day compared to watching Pedro Caizina's side last season. There's an identity there, a steeliness and a resilience, and there are goal threats from all over the team. Yes, they would have liked to have had more points, but you can't forget that in the four league games they have had so far, they have been to three of the toughest venues in the league to play, Aberdeen, Motherwell and Celtic. At Pitodre, they showed exactly why they are a different animal to the soft-centred side put together by the Portuguese coach last season. I wouldn't have fancied that team to perform so well after the early setback of going down to 10 men. In fact, I think they would have folded and lost the game. Not this Rangers team, though, and they were desperately unfortunate not to take the three points after the late equaliser. At Fir Park, too, although they again lost to a late leveller, they had shown grit and determination to claw their way back into the game after falling behind twice in the first half to lead at the break. The performance and the result at Celtic Park was disappointing, yes, and it showed that there is work that still needs to be done. But you have to remember that not only did they go into that game on the back of such a punishing domestic schedule, but also a trip to Russia to round off their wonderful efforts in getting to the Europa League group stages. What an achievement that was. Let's not forget at what stage last season's team went out of the competition. For me, that was always a priority at this stage of the season, given the financial rewards that come with qualification. And now, full attention can turn to domestic matters. The group stages will be a wonderful distraction, of course, but anything Rangers get from that is a bonus. The league is where the bread and butter is now. The good news on that front, too, is that the international break will have allowed Gerard some precious time on the training field of his players. Which has been hard for him to come by, given the travelling and frequency of matches in the early part of the campaign. It is remarkable, really, that the manager has got the players so well drilled, particularly when it comes to their defensive responsibilities, in the little time he has had with them on the training pitch, and that can only have improved in the last week or two. There is more good news for Rangers as well, in that the domestic fixture list gets a little kinder for the foreseeable future, with bottom side Dundee and then St Johnston coming to Ibrox before the League Cup quarter-final against Ayr, and then a visit to Livingston, so the situation on the home front should look a lot rosier come the end of the month if those games go to plan. I can't see anything other than victories from those games. 
And I think then we will be able to say with complete certainty that this Rangers team under Steven Gerrard are a different beast. By Evening Times columnist Lee McCulloch. In the Evening Times. News. Record on the 7th of September 2018. Derek Johnston. Kenny Miller must tell us what really happened in the Rangers dressing room. By Neil Cameron. Rangers legend Derek Johnston has told Kenny Miller to spill the beans about what really happened in the Hampton dressing room which ended the striker Zybert's career. The Sport Times columnist believes now is the time for Miller to tell all about the bust-up that took place between himself, Lee Wallace and the then-manager Graham Murty after last April's Scottish Cup semi-final defeat to Celtic. An SPFL tribunal came down in favour of the two players on Wednesday, a decision which surprised Rangers but the full details of what happened that day have still to be revealed. Wallace, who remains a Rangers player, and Miller, now at Dundee, welcomed the decision to uphold their appeal against the sanctions imposed by Rangers, and the SPFL yesterday revealed the pair's appeals against financial penalties had been successful, which could end in a bill of £100,000 for the Ibrox club. Wallace was fined a maximum four weeks' wages, and Miller was also punished with a two-week fine. And Johnston said, Kenny said that one day he will tell us what really happened, and that day has to come sooner rather than later. People have been putting two and two together and getting five. There are all sorts of stories being made up about what really went on that day. Kenny has to come out and speak publicly, if everyone is to move on. I don't know what went on. I haven't spoken to any player about it. The only people who do are Kenny, Lee and Graham, plus maybe a few other players, if they were present. The fans deserve to know what actually happened. We need to be told the facts, and then everyone can move on. And it must be Kenny who does that, because Lee remains a Rangers player. The real story has to come out. Look, if any player has a real go at their manager, no matter what the situation, and has been over the top when they are in the wrong, but Kenny and Lee said they did nothing wrong. Confirming their successful appeal, the SPFL said in a statement, On June the 6th, Lee Wallace and Kenny Miller submitted appeals to the SPFL against findings of misconduct brought against them by Rangers. The players appealed that the process utilised by the club in arriving at the decision to sanction them had been unfair. Their appeals were heard by an independent tribunal on August 13th, 14th and 15th. After due consideration, the independent tribunal has decided to uphold both appeals. The players and the club have been informed of this decision. Margaret Gribbon, solicitor for PFA Scotland, who represented the players at the SPFL hearing, said, My clients welcome the Lee's decision and are grateful to PFA Scotland for their support. By Neil Cameron. This is an article from the Evening Times, 11th of September 2018. Written by columnist Katrina Stewart. Cordial workers praised for 2,000 years of service to Glasgow. And now, in what will be the final celebration before the firm moves in House to Glasgow City Council, cordial workers have been honoured. At the 11th Annual Long Service Awards, 76 employees received recognition for 25 years' service. Robert Anderson, Head of Human Resources at Glasgow City Council, said, The role which every employee undertakes on a daily basis is absolutely essential for Glasgow citizens, whether it's a child being able to cross the road safely to an elderly resident getting round for clock home care support. 
On behalf of everyone at Cordia, I would like to congratulate every one of our long service representatives are in the privilege to command them for their contribution to Glasgow. Each of the 76 representatives is part of Cordia's operation throughout Glasgow, undertaking roles which include catering, home care, cleaning, school crossing and social work. Since the inaugural ceremony in 2007, a total of 1,250 Cordia employees have been eligible for reward, tallying an impressive 31,250 years of service. Attendees were awarded with a medal to mark their dedication, earning an additional day's leave and enjoying a free-course meal prepared by co-workers from Encore Hospitality Services, the contract catering arm of Cordia. Cordia staff carry out 90,000 home care visits per week to around 6,200 elderly service users and service 32,000 school meals per day across 139 primary schools, 29 secondary schools and 26 assisted learning schools. Its janitors operate services in 575 premises and its cafes and restaurants pour 1 million cappuccinos per year. Councillor Susan Atkin, leader of Glasgow City Council, said, Congratulations to all our Long Service Award winners. Your efforts have helped thousands of Glasgow citizens over the many years of loyalty to the council. I hope you enjoy your celebrations and have many more years wish to serve our city. This is an article from columnist reporter Katrina Stewart. In the Evening Times News Recorded on the 12th of September... 2018. Council criticised for failure to support community during Victoria Infirmary development by Holly Lennon. Glasgow City Council has been accused of failing a local community during a major planning development. The Victoria Forum, made up of Langside, Battlefield and Camp Hill, Mount Florida and Shawlands and Strathbungo Community Councils, have produced a nine-page document in light of a development of the Victoria Infirmary being given the go-ahead. Sanctuary Homes was granted permission to build 413 flats, offices and retail units on the site earlier this year. The community councils had called for houses to be built alongside the flats, as well as new pedestrian crossings, a children's play area and a social space for residents. The report states that the local authority needs to engage meaningfully from the outset of an application being submitted. It reads, Meaningful here means that the community's views are not only sought, but included in proposals or as options to committees when decisions are made. We do not expect them all to be accepted, but they should be heard. No public discussion session was held by Sanctuary Homes. The forum members we're of the view that facilitated public discussion sessions are a more effective method of gathering ideas, as well as increasing community involvement, rather than the traditional comments by individuals on concepts already presented by developers or architects. We organised such an open session early in the process, attended by 120 local people. Sanctuary was invited to take part but did not attend. Ideas collected from the session, numbered at 1,700, were published in writing and online and sent to Sanctuary and GCC. The housing developer, however, did not publish the findings in full, which the forum believes allowed them to act as judge and jury. The forum has highlighted what they believe to be a power imbalance between the community and the developer due to the public being unable to appeal rejected objections and slammed the developer's failure to prepare a master plan. 
The report adds, with no guidance by the council, the developer was able to limit community engagement to that which is required before a planning application. A working group, which has brought together several council departments and the community, has been described as a success story throughout the whole process. In response to the report, a spokesman for Glasgow City Council said, We do not agree with some of these claims, as the council engaged with local residents to a much greater extent than has been the case for any planning proposal of a similar scale in recent years. With regard to the other points, these are matters that can relate to national planning policy and therefore cannot be changed or dealt with at a local level. Officers of the council will soon meet with representatives from the forum to explain these issues as part of a wider discussion. Peter Martin, Sanctuary's Group Director, Development, said Most of the Victoria Forum's recommendations are for Glasgow City Council to consider. Our wide-ranging consultation process saw more than 600 people attend a series of open sessions to express their views on the design and redevelopment of the site. The vast majority of local residents are happy with the outcome and cannot wait to see our plans come to life. Our application and consultation process has been commended by Glasgow City Council's planning department and is being used by other local authorities as an example of good practice. When you consult with so many people and try to take into account all of their opinions, there will inevitably be some who feel their views are not reflected in the design. By Holly Lennon The Evening Times News Recorded on the 12th of September, 2018 Window crashes 20 feet into playground of East End School from the Evening Times Online. City Council Chiefs have ordered safety checks at several Glasgow schools after a classroom window crashed 20 feet onto the playground. The Scottish Sun reports that the action was taken after a scare at St Maria Goretti Primary in Cranhill. No one was injured in the building, which also houses Lamlash Nursery. It is understood that specialists have been out to check the rest of the property. Now local authority bosses have arranged for tests at 11 other city schools, although the names of those affected have not been revealed. Teachers have been warned not to open similar styled windows until inspectors report back. A council spokeswoman said the window contractor for the building has been at the school checking all windows and casings. From the Evening Times Online. This is an article from the Evening Times, 10th of September 2018, written by political correspondent Stuart Patterson. Glasgow tourist tax could rise millions for the city. The idea see a levy charged with every hotel room booking. Nowhere in the UK has introduced a tourist tax yet, but it is common in many parts of Europe. Malcolm Cunnan, Labour councillor, wants the council to have powers to impose a charge to pay for infrastructure needed to meet the grown tourism demand. Mr Cunnan has put a motion for debate for the next meeting of the full council backing a recent announcement by local government body Cosler to give the powers to the councils to charge. His plan for either £1 a night room tax, which he said would rise around £4 million a year, or for tax of 5% of the cost of a room, which he estimates will rise to about £12 million a year. Visitors to Glasgow grew by 70% last year, worth more than £2 billion, and supporting thousands of jobs in the hospitality trade. The city plans to go with number more targeting an extra 1 million tourists by 2023. Mr Curran said the introduction of transient visitors tax would allow for greater investment in those assets, 
that attract and support visitors to the city and help to improve the quality of services that the city is able to provide. In Barcelona, a tax of between 40p and £2 is charged. In Paris, a 10% extra is charged on the French tax this year of up £3.50 a night. Berlin, Rome, Amsterdam and Brussels are among other major European cities where tourist tax is charged. The hotel industry has consistently opened calls for tourist tax. Business leaders are also not convinced. Stuart Partick, chief executive of Glasgow Chamber of Commerce, said, We've yet to be persuaded about the merits of a tourist tax for Glasgow. The city attracts over 2 million tourists per year while pursuing an ambitious multi-agency strategy to reach a target of 3 million overnight stay per annum by 2023, a goal which doesn't obviously imagine with a proposed levy for visitors. Glasgow City Council has not adopted a policy position on whether or not it is in favour of a tourist tax. This is an article from political correspondent Stuart Patterson. This is the end of part one. After a short break, we'll be coming back in part two with more great articles from the Evening Times. This is a message from the NFB UK, the National Federation of the Blind of the United Kingdom. What is NFB UK? The National Federation of the Blind of the United Kingdom, NFB UK, is a self-help organisation of blind, partially sighted and deaf-blind people helping each other to help ourselves. It's an independent, non-political charity that campaigns for greater rights, citizenship and independent living. How does NFB UK work? We have a network of branches around the country where members and supporters can meet locally. The branches keep our members in touch with their local community and represent their views to local and national authorities and society in general. We provide information for our members in Braille, large print, audio and electronic formats. We work with local and national organisations to improve the quality of life for all blind, partially sighted, deaf-blind people and those whose sight impairment is part of multidisability. NFB UK campaigns to defend essential benefits and social care services and seeks wider provision of these services and equipment to help us lead independent lives. We have local branches around the country and are aiming to open new branches in more areas. What are the benefits of joining NFB UK? You meet other blind, partially sighted and deafblind people with an interest in peer support, campaigning and making a difference. Members decide and shape which issues and campaigns to focus on and you decide how you want to work on campaigns. It's free to join this year. You will benefit from our special offer of one year's free membership. You can receive regular updates and share information through newsletter, e-group and our audio magazine for members. Founded in 1947, we have played a leading role in Articles for the Blind postal concessions, the retention of different banknote sizes according to denomination and tactile street paving. Current Issues We are currently active in issues around shared spaces and the built environment, disabled students' allowance, social care and rehabilitation and the NHS and accessible information standards. Join us! If you are blind, partially sighted or deafblind, become a full member. We welcome sighted people to join as associate members. Any donation you can make will assist us to further our campaigning. For more information, visit www.nfbuk.org. Contact us via post, NFBUK, Sir John Wilson House, 215 Kirkgate, Wakefield, West Yorkshire, WF1, 1JG.
That's Whiskey Foxtrot 1, 1 Juliet Golf. Telephone us 01924 291 313 or email admin at nfbuk.org. Also on Twitter and Facebook at nfbuk. Now back to the main programme. Welcome back. The headlines in part two. Lee McCulloch. Like all great ranger strikers, Alfredo Morelos will always come back for more. Tony Macaroni reveals expansion plans for Cumbernauld Restaurant and a new loyalty card. Andy Little delighted to see Kyle Lafferty living the dream at Rangers once again. Glasgow man Edward Byrne fined for violent assault on police constables. Andy Little backs Gareth McCauley to lead by example for Rangers this season. Blame me. Scotland manager Alex McLeish accepts full responsibility for heavy defeat to Belgium. Cordia stars are honoured with long service awards. John Harston. Craig Gordon should be Scotland's number one. How Alan McGregor is free to play for Rangers is baffling. Shot discovery in East End Graveyard as cops probe unexplained death. Man found unconscious in the street after attacking Glasgow's financial district. Delays between Glasgow's East End and City Centre after a person hit by a train. Labour lodges motion, slamming cruel and unnecessary P1 school tests. Top cop insists violent crime is down, despite several city centre attacks in recent weeks. Shock as bomb disposal experts rush to tackle explosive device in Bishop Briggs. Almost 70% rise in Scotswomen giving birth in their 40s. In the evening times, sport, record on the 11th of September 2018. Lee McCulloch, like all great ranger strikers, Alfredo Morelos will always come back for more. By evening times columnist, Lee McCulloch. So, Alfredo Morelos missed a glorious chance on his Columbia debut, but you can be sure that he will put it right out of his head and get himself in there again at the first possible opportunity. Rest assured, no sort of miss has happened to all strikers. Goodness knows I miss sitters upon sitters in my time playing up top. But the important thing is that you forget about it as soon as possible. Morelos, just like the great ranger strikers like Ali McCoist, has that mental strength to keep getting into goal-scoring positions, and that's why he will consistently get amongst the goals for the club. I noticed that Radamel Falcao, the great Colombian striker, has been full of praise for Morelos and his work rate since joining up with his national side. And if he's good enough for him, then he's good enough for me. To get capped or his country at such a young age is great for him, and Falcao tipping him to become a regular for years to come will be a huge favour in his cap. It can only be good for Rangers too, with his profile heightened, and his asking price when the time comes for him to eventually move on, surely not hurt by his national service. By Evening Times columnist, Lee McCulloch. This is an article from the Evening Times, 10th of September 2018, written by Scott Wright. Tony Macaroni reveals expansion plans for Cumbernauld Restaurant and a new loyalty card. 
Zepp Marini has also revealed he has set up a new parent group name to unite the 19 restaurants it currently owns, which trade under a host of different brands. Mr Marini said the Viva Italia group will give a single home to venues it runs under Tony Macaroni, Moza Marini, Tony To Go and Tony Mac Deliveries. Nardini's runs in partnership with David Acre, Barn 1821 and Rhine House 1821 Brands. And he will introduce a new loyalty card to offer rewards to customers and reinforce the messages they belong to the same family. Mr. Marini, who focused on chip shops before moving into restaurants in 2007, announced a move while revealing he is forging ahead with a rollout of a Tony Macaroni brand around Scotland, England, and Northern Ireland, despite tough conditions on the high street. The company, which sponsors Livingston Football Club Stadium and strip under the Tony Macaroni brand, opened its second restaurant in Appendine three weeks ago. He forecasts from a square outlet, which complements its Mosul Pizza restaurant in Union Square, will turn over 2.5 million. In the pipeline, a further Tony Macaroni restaurants in Cumbernauld, part of 2.5 million property development by Mr. Marini, which will also include a Costa Cafe drive-through, Glen Ruffs, Fourth Canard in Edinburgh, and in the Northern Ireland. An outlet in Belfast will be used as the showroom for a rolling out a Tony Macaroni franchise, allowing individual operators to open their own restaurants under the brand around the UK. An outlet in Bangor, Northern Ireland, will be the first franchise to open, for the Belfast outlet will be directly managed. Northern Ireland and England will be target areas for the expansion of the franchise offer, which will be officially launched in January as many as 20 franchise outlets could open in 2019. Mr Arini said it is a good way to have a rapid expansion, with not a lot of cost to the company, and obviously strengthen the group. Mr Marini added that he also is looking to expand his portfolio of directly managed Tony Macaroni outlets, with Perth, Inverness and Ayrshire in sites, as well as a second outlet in Aberdeen. The company currently employs around 700 people. We want to be in all the main towers, Mr Marini said. Meanwhile, the company will surely open its new headquarters in Motherwell, where in addition to office, a pizza academy training facility has been developed. Mr Marini noted conditions are tough for high street restaurant operators, but said the spite of recent closures has created opportunities for its company, which currently employs around 700 staff. As an example, he said Tony Macaroni Restaurant at Glasgow Fort was currently breaking records after a neighbouring pre-sale outlet closed. Mr Marini said, The casual dining market has got quite a bad name at the moment, but I think restaurant closing quite a bit at the moment is only helping us. Trade in the last four weeks has been very, very good, but trade in the previous four or five weeks was down a lot, and that was just due to the hot weather. It did have a big effect on our trading. Meanwhile, the company's inaugural hotel in Edinburgh's Proudry Place is poised to host its first wedding on September 25th. The Townhouse Hotel, which trades as a wine house, 1821, is spread over five levels and includes a cocktail bar, wine bar, function area and four boutique bedrooms. Each of the rooms are named after Zonin family wine estates in Italy. 
The Tony Macaroni restaurants opened in October 2007 in East Kilbride, but the group didn't really take off until it opened the Glasgow Byers Road in 2009 and rebranded substantially. According to its most recent accounts, the company made a pre-tax profit of 79,936 in turnover of 14.6 million. In the year ended of January 31st, 2017, turnover had risen by 10.4%, but profits have dipped from 735,515 as the underperformance of associated restaurants were brought under the Tony Macaroni brand before being sold. This is an article from Scott Wright. The Evening Times, on Thursday, the 13th of September, 2018. Sport, Rangers. Andy Little delighted to see Kyle Lafferty living the dream at Rangers once again. This exclusive article by Christopher Jack, Group Senior Sports Writer. Kyle Lafferty lived the dream and the nightmare during his first stint at Rangers. Now he's back in blue, with unfinished business and success in his sights. The striker that scored title-winning goals and lifted silverware at Hamden would leave his boyhood heroes under a cloud during the most turbulent period in Rangers history. He can't rewrite the past, but six years on, he has a chance to forge a brighter future for the Jers as an integral part of Steven Gerrard's Ibrox master plan. The deal that brought Lafferty back to Glasgow from Hearts was a long time in the making, but the wait has proven worth it for the Northern Irishman after he put pen to paper on a two-year contract. And former Jers teammate Andy Little believes that Lafferty has returned older, wiser and better as he looks to make the most of a second chance he never thought he'd get. I'm delighted for him personally and I'm proud as a Fermanagh boy to have another player from our county playing for Rangers again, Little told Sport Times. We've had myself and the likes of Roy Carroll and obviously Kyle first time around. It's a proud moment for us to have a player from Fermanagh at the club again, and I'm delighted for Kyle that he's got another chance to play for his boyhood club. The ending of his first stint was a bit sour, and not what he wanted, but now he's got an unbelievable opportunity to play for the one club he wants to in the prime of his career. Everyone that leaves Rangers, it is that kind of club that really grabs your heartstrings and becomes part of your life. Both old firm clubs have that effect, There are players from all around the world that have an affinity with Rangers once they've played there, and I know that myself. Laff was a big fan as a young boy. I'm sure that when he left, it would really have hurt him. If I had the opportunity to play for them again, and I'm sure the vast majority of former players would say the same, I would absolutely do it. It was no surprise it happened once it first came about. It would have been difficult for Kyle to focus on the job at Hearts, knowing that he'd been so close to getting that chance at Rangers again if it hadn't gone through. Lafferty moved to Switzerland to sign for Sion when he left Ibrox in the summer of 2012 and went on to have spells with Sion, Palermo and Norwich, where he had loans at Kaikar and Birmingham before joining Hearts last term. He's been warmly welcomed by the light blue legions and has wasted little time in further endearing himself with an impressive start under Gerrard's guidance. Little was one of the players that stayed at Rangers six years ago, The forward's pleased to see supporters taking Lafferty to their hearts once again. The fans will react positively to any player that gives them 100%, and there's no doubt in my mind that Kyle Lafferty will always give you 100%, he said. He did it in his first stint at Rangers. He's always done it for Northern Ireland. He'll do it this time around for Rangers. The fans think that players should always play for Rangers and that should be their club for the rest of their lives, and I get that. But I don't blame any of the players that left under the circumstances years ago. 
They had dreams of playing internationally and, to put it bluntly, to earn as much money as they could in what is a very short career. I think it's understandable that players left, but if that had not been the situation and Laugh had been offered new terms, he would have stayed at the club. The fans have taken to him, they can see he's matured and is a completely different player and person to who he was when he left. The Rangers story has had many twists and turns between Lafferty's departure and second arrival, but the 30-year-old is mentally and physically prepared to write another chapter at Ibrox. He was a £3.5 million signing when Walter Smith brought him north of the border from Burnley, and now Gerrard needs him to roll back the years in the coming months. If you sign for Rangers at 20, you put yourself under enough pressure, but you realise just how much pressure there is at the club, Little said. It's hard to take when you first sign, but he will now understand that pressure a lot more, and he knows how to deal with it. He had the pressure of taking his country to their first major championships in decades, so he's dealt with that. He's had big boots to fill after David Healy, but he's managed to do that. It'll be a challenge at Rangers, but he's started brilliantly and had an immediate impact, not just with goals, but with his performances as well. And now the challenge is to consistently do that and become a big player for Rangers again. Lafferty won six honours for his boyhood heroes before he headed for the Ibrox exit door and has already set his sights on adding to that tally this term. It's a challenge little as confident his compatriot can rise to as he looks to establish himself in Gerrard's side and lead from the front once again. Little said, He knows how to perform in big games and score big goals for a club like Rangers and he's got a lot of confidence now. I'm sure that when Rangers are struggling or matches are tough, Laugh will be the one to step up and put the ball in the back of the net. He brings that big game mentality and can make a difference at the crucial moments in matches. He's a different player compared to what he was years ago. The whole team in general seem to be giving the manager their absolutely all and that's what the fans want to see. Hopefully they can have success this season. This was an exclusive article by Group Senior Sports Writer Christopher Jack. Did you know, you no longer have to get this Digest programme on tape. You can listen to more daily podcasts at qnreview.com forward slash free podcasts, where we have daily digests of the Evening Times and Herald Scotland newspapers. If you only have time to listen to 90 minutes of news each week, sign up to our CastBox service at castbox.fm, where the Herald Scotland, National Scotland and Glasgow Evening Times are available as weekly digest podcasts. It's easy to set up. Go to our website at qreview.com forward slash weekly digest and links are available to our channels. Now, back to the main programme. This is an article from the Evening Times. 10th of September 2018. Written by Group Content Editor Janice Mitchell. Glasgow man Edward Bain fined for violent assault on police constables. Edward Byrne, 51, pinned a male PC against a car and attempted to headbutt him. He also landed on top of a female PC, causing her to smack her head against a lamppost and cut her elbow. In addition, he kicked and punched out and repeatedly attempted to bite the officers. However, despite the seriousness of a violent outburst, Bain avoided jail, unpaid work and a restriction of liberty order and was instead fined for the attack. The incident happened on August 4th, 2018. It was around 2.30am when Bain's neighbours heard a front door slam shut. They looked out of their window and spotted the accused kicking their door down. 
When the police arrived, the accused was found to be heavily under the influence of alcohol. He became argumentative towards the two constables and continued to shout and swear. When told he was being placed under arrest, Bain struggled with a male PC. He pinned the officer against a police car and attempted to headbutt him. The accused also aimed punches and kicks towards the female PC. During a scuffle, all three fell to the ground. The female officer, who was caught beneath the two men, cut her elbow and hit her head against the lamppost as she was landing on the ground. Bain continued to slash out and repeatedly attempted to bite the constables before he was brought under control. Given his aggressiveness, the male PC used an open hand to strike Bain across the face to restrain him. Backup then arrived and the accused was put into a cell van before being transported to a station. Bain was cautioned, charged and later pleaded guilty. In Glasgow Sheriff Court this week, Bain was said to be deeply ashamed and apologetic. His lawyer claimed that he had never been in trouble with the police before and had very little recollection of the event, but accepted the Crown's narrative. The outburst was described as one-off and Bain had no difficulties with his neighbours since. The accused also self-referred himself to an anger management course and completed a month-long programme. The defence agent claimed Bain's full-time job took him across the country, which would make him unsuitable for a restriction of liberty order. However, he was in position to pay a financial penalty. Sheriff Elaine Swanson told the accused, Your behaviour on 4th of August gives you no credit whatsoever. Bain of Montford Avenue was fined £600 and given 28 days to pay. Following the collision of the case, Andrea MacDonald, chair of the Scottish Police Friendsland, said, Police officers go to work on a daily basis to serve and protect the public regardless of the dangers they may have to face whilst doing so. It is completely unacceptable for individuals to attack them whilst they are simply doing their job. The sentences passed don't act as a deterrent. We are not calling for mandatory sentences, but we need to ask if an assault on a police officer does not merit a custodial sentence, what does? I am absolutely appalled that the accused in this case, Edward Bain, was effectively given nothing more than a fine for viciously assaulting two police officers. Anyone who assaults a police officer should appear in a court on the next lawful day, and those sentencing need to explain why imprisonment is not used as an alternative disposals are applied. A police Scotland spokeswoman said, Any assault on a police officer is a significant matter and considered seriously. They can take a form of physical assault or verbal assault. The safety of our officers is a priority. Officers are appropriately trained to high level and are issued with personal protective equipment and receive regular refresher training. Such a regime of training helps officers deal with the many situations they can become involved with, which can be violent, confrontational, emergency response scenarios. This is an article from Janice Mitchell. The Evening Times. On Thursday, the 13th of September, 2018. Sport. Rangers. Andy Little backs Gareth McCauley to lead by example for Rangers this season. This exclusive article by Christopher Jack, Group Senior Sports Writer. Andy Little has backed Gareth McCauley to lead by example at Rangers this season, just like the former Ibrox skippers he worked under. The 38-year-old became the 15th and final signing of the summer for boss Stephen Gerrard when he completed a move to his boyhood heroes earlier this month. Macaulay spent the last seven seasons with West Bromwich Albion, 
but left the Hawthorns as the Baggies were relegated from the Premier League last term. Little got to know the stopper during his international career with Northern Ireland and is confident he'll have a key role to play on and off the park for the Light Blues. Little told Sport Times, Gareth is a really good lad, a brilliant character and a very, very good pro. He would remind me of the likes of Steve Davis, Davy Weir and Carlos Bocanegra. He's a top pro, he's been around the game and considering there are a lot of younger players in the squad, he certainly brings experience at the back. Nikola Katchik and Joe Worrell are only 21 and Connor Goldson is not that old either. If Gareth gets his opportunity in there, nothing will faze him and he'll know how to handle playing for Rangers. He's a very nice fella and was really good with me. When we met up for international squads, his first question was always, what's happening with the Jers? It wasn't, how are you? It was, what's happening with the Jers? So the club's clearly a big part of him and he's a fan, as everyone knows. I always love seeing boys from back home in a Rangers squad. The club obviously has big links with Northern Ireland. You'll probably have an extra few buses coming over from Larne alone now. This was an exclusive article by Christopher Jack, Group Senior Sports Writer. This is an article from the Evening Times, 10th of September 2018, written by Chief Football Writer Matthew Lindsay. Blame me, Scotland manager Alex McLeish accepts full responsibility for heavy defeat to Belgium. The national team slumped to their heaviest defeat at Hampton since 5-0 loss to England in the home internationals way back in 1973 as a result of needless errors in both halves. However, McLeish absolved his charges from all blame for the loss and insisted their confidence would not be dented ahead of their opening Nations League match against Albania on Monday night. Mistakes cost us, said McLeish, whose team has now lost four and won one of the friendly games they have played since he was appointed Scotland manager for a second time back in February. I thought we were doing okay in the first half, then we made a mistake and lost a goal. At this level, against a team of a structure, the consequences are devastating. What we have encouraged is for guys to pass the ball. The guys have to learn fast. They are young guys, they have just broken into the team in the last year or so, and they were planning a team of older superstars. It looked the best choice to me. We have got to test ourselves, but for the first goal, we are probably going in a half-time all square. The second half was a catalogue of errors. If anybody has to take the blame, it is me for telling them to pass the ball. I know Charlie McGrew can pass the ball. Ryan Jack got caught in the ball. It's a harsh lesson for the young boys. McLeish continued, I praised them for after the game. I thought they did a lot of good things. They passed the ball well at times. I don't want them just to lump it up the pitch. We have to try and do something now. You have got to tear your hair out with the goals, but I know I will definitely see a lot of good things in the video tomorrow. I have always looked at videos the next day and found something that will empower the guys. I need to look at the legs of Albania. I know it's a very difficult game before the Albania game, but they can cope with two games in a short space of time. There was no way they would be downhearted. We're down, but we're certainly not out. The guys are good to lose the goals and make the mistakes that they made, but they are trying to do what we want them to do, but there is a lot of ability. The next game is massive for us, but it is not about statistics for me. The best Scotland team in the world would find it hard against the team. 
MacLeish revealed he took Leo Griffiths, who was in a collision with Jan Venturen in the first half, on that half time as a precaution ahead of Albania game. I think he wanted to play on in the second half, he said. I felt he was to stop that. I thought it was better taking him off. Roberto Martinez, the former Motherwell player who is now the manager of Belgium, urged Scotland supporters to be patient with McLeish and his new look side. It was perfect exercise for both teams, he said. We both understand the game that really matters in the next one. For first in the Nations League, the experienced players were very well focused. It was an experimental team. We were very clinical in front of the goal. The Scotland team is a new project. You need to be patient. It was difficult for us at the beginning. Alex McLeish will have to work within this group for an extended period. I think they could be very good in the future. We had to be very aware as soon as we lost the ball, we had to be very alert. They had a very quick counter-attacks. They were very well organised for the first half an hour. This is an article from Chief Football Writer Matthew Lindsay. The Evening Times News Recorded on 12th of September 2018 Cardia Stars are honoured with Long Service Awards By Holly Lennon Lollipop ladies and neighbourhood janitors are among a list of dozens of Cordia workers honoured at an awards ceremony in Glasgow. The facilities management and care services provider recognised the hard work of its staff for a long-term service celebration on Tuesday. Cordia's 11th annual Long Service Awards saw 76 workers recognised for a total of almost 2,000 years of tenure between them. The ceremony held at Glasgow City Chambers marked 25 years of service for each employee working across catering, home care, cleaning, school crossing and social work. School crossing patrollers Margaret Sloan and Dorothy Goldie were celebrated for their achievements alongside fellow Cordia workers, neighbourhood janitors James Boyle and George Anderson. Angela McLean, Elaine Smith, Marie Walsh, Diane Chalmers, Constance Gallagher, Grace McAdam and Carol Scott were among 27 home carers recognised at the ceremony. Since the first official award was handed out in 2007, a total of 1,250 Cordia employees have been eligible for the esteemed award, tallying an impressive 31,250 years of service. Those attending the ceremony were awarded with a medal to mark their dedication, earned an additional day's leave and enjoyed a delicious three-course meal prepared by co-workers from Encore Hospitality Services. The contract catering arm of Cordia. Since Cordia was formed in 2009, its staff have cared for Glasgow's elderly and vulnerable citizens, served the city's school children and kept public buildings clean and secure. Staff carry out 95,000 home care visits per week to around 6,200 elderly service users and serve 32,000 school meals per day across 139 primary schools, 29 secondary schools and 26 assisted learning schools. Janitorial staff operate services in 575 premises, while cafe and restaurant staff pour an estimated 1 million cappuccinos per year. Cardia will fall back under Glasgow City Council control at the end of the month. Robert Anderson, Head of Human Resources at Glasgow City Council, said, 11 years on from the first Long Service Awards and our employees continue to honour the city with their hard work, dedication and loyalty. This event brings together the Cordia team from across the extensive organisation and we look forward to honouring our staff with these well-deserved awards.
The role which every employee undertakes on a daily basis is absolutely essential for Glasgow's citizens, whether it's a child being able to cross the road safely to an elderly resident getting round-the-clock home care support. On behalf of everyone at Cordia, I'd like to congratulate each one of our long-service recipients, and it's a privilege to commend them for their contribution to Glasgow. By Holly Lennon. If you are blind or partially sighted, or know someone who is, they may be eligible to receive a BWBF Sonata Plus internet audio player, where our podcasts are available. To qualify for a free permanent loan from BWBF of a Sonata internet radio, please contact your local agent. Please note you will need to be resident in the UK, registered blind or partially sighted, over the age of eight, and in receipt of a means-tested benefit, or have a parent or guardian in receipt if you are under 18. If you think you qualify, you can find your local agent at www.blind.org.uk. And remember, when setting up the player, ask for Q and Review. Now, back to the main programme. This is an article for the Evening Times, 11th of September 2018, written by John Harston. John Harston, Craig Gordon should be Scotland's number one. How Alan McGregor is free to play for Rangers is baffling. He is a proven goalkeeper at the very top level. He has done it all. Champions League level, at international level, at domestic level. I mean no disrespect to Alan McGregor either. I think he is a fine goalkeeper at cracking talent, but for me, Craig would be ahead for him. I also think that Alan has to come into frame for Scotland on the back of a couple of decent performances for Rangers. But we are only talking about a handful of games. By contrast, Craig has been there and done it. It also struck me as odd that if you fancy McGregor as your number one, that you would go and put Gordon in goals for Friday's game against Belgium. That one was always going to be a difficult one. They have a team of genuine quality and there was every chance when he looked at the one on paper about how it would play out. If you fancy that McGregor is your top keeper, then why not put him in for that one? I found it a very odd decision. We can all appreciate that a goalkeeper's life is a difficult one. I was a striker and I knew that if I missed four cracking chances in a game, I could still redeem myself by ensuring that I got at least one goal to my name before the whistle went off my number went up. It's different if you're the guy in between the sticks. Pull off half a dozen good stops, but what people remember is the mistakes that you've made. There was a bit of a chat last season, with a few people suggesting that Craig had lost his edge, but I have to say, now for me, I think he's an excellent goalkeeper. Look at Liverpool keeper Alisson. They shelled out almost £70 million for him this summer. And yet, you go into a game against Leicestershire and there's a bloomer. I have never played with a goalkeeper yet who didn't have a mistake in him quite simply because it is in the nature of a role. The other thing for me is that I have to say too, I was amazed that McGregor was not penalised retrospectively for his kick at Christopher Gia in a game against Celtic. It is a kind of decision that leaves you scratching your head. Three former Class A referees, more like Class Z. How you can watch that incident and call it as they did is baffling. It really is extraordinary, but it is not just that it makes a laughing stock of a governing body, 
It also makes a pretty writing rod for their own back over the coming months. If you're going to allow that one to go, then how do you react? If, for example, Lee Griffiths turns around and aims a swipe at someone off a ball with his boot on Friday night. You think Celtic would take a retrospective ban after seeing one of their young players booted off the ball with no punishment dished out afterwards? There would be an outcry, and this is a big thing that came out of their decision for me. Where does it leave them? It is very difficult now for them to utilise that law effectively now. And listen, this is not me speaking with a Celtic hat on. If Craig Gordon has taken aim at Alfredo Morris, then I would be singing exactly the same song. Nobody wants to see that sort of behaviour on a football pitch. I had my fair share of incidents over the years, but I took my medicine after it, and could see where I'd been in the wrong. I just think now that it'll be interesting to see what comes next, whenever the next off the ball incident comes up and the compliments officer is asked to get involved. I know some people were asking for transparency and an explanation of how the panel reached their decision, but I don't think we need to hear that. We all saw it, we watched what happened, and to then come out and write Rosh is what a complete joke. It really did raise questions about the credibility of our organisation. This is an article from John Harston. The Evening Times. News. Recorded on the 12th of September, 2018. Shot discovery in East End Graveyard as cops probe unexplained death. By reporter, Stacey Mullen. A man's body has been discovered in a graveyard in Glasgow's East End. The shot discovery was made yesterday afternoon in the Tullis Street Memorial Garden in Bridgeton. Police cordoned off the area and said they were treating the death as unexplained. The Evening Times understands that a private ambulance was also at the scene. A spokesman for Police Scotland said at around 3.45pm the body of a man was discovered in a grassed area on Tullis Street, Bridgeton on September 11th, 2018. The death is being treated as unexplained and inquiries are being carried out. By reporter, Stacey Mullen. This is an article from the Evening Times, 11th September 2018, written by Stacey Mullen. Man found unconscious in the street after attacking Glasgow's financial district. The 42-year-old was discovered in Cadogan Street at West Campbell Street around 9.15pm on Sunday by a member of the public who called an ambulance for him. He was taken to Glasgow Royal Infirmary where he remains for treatment for facial injuries. Police Scotland said it has been established that a man was attacked by another man following an argument between the two in Condorgan Street a short time earlier. The suspect is described as right, tall, skinny, with dark hair and stubble. He was wearing a grey jumper. Detective Constable Nicole McPherson, Stewart Street CID, said the man who called the ambulance left the scene before it arrived and took the injured man to hospital, so we are keen to speak to him about what he may have seen or knows about what happened. Officers have been checking CCTV in the area, and we know that Cadogan Street and West Campbell Street can be quite busy around at time of night. There was a local super kitchen not far from where the attack took place, so it is possible that someone there saw the attack and could help our investigation. I would ask anyone who has any information they think we may assist in our inquiries to contact the offices at Glasgow City Centre CID for your 101. Please call incident number 4103 of Sunday 9th of September 2018 when calling. 
If you don't wish to speak to Police Direct, then Crime Stoppers can be called in confidence on 0800 This is an article from Stacey Mullen. Remember, this programme is just a fraction of what we produce. You can access more daily content online via our website, qandreview.com forward slash free podcasts for free daily podcasts of the Evening Times and Herald Scotland newspapers, weekly digests of the National Newspaper and weekly full readings of Inside Soap magazine. Now, back to the main programme. The Evening Times News Recorded on 12th of September 2018 Delays between Glasgow's East End and City Centre after a person hit by a train By reporter Stacey Mullen The rail network has been disrupted after a person was hit by a train between Shettleston and Queen Street. The line is now in lockdown as emergency services attended to the incident, which happened after 6am. Cops are spotted outside Belgrove Station this morning. No trains are passing through the area and ScotRail revealed a number of cancellations in a series of tweets. Services between Bollock and Airdrie will terminate and start back at Anniesland. Dalmuir to Cumbernauld via Springburn has been suspended. Helensborough to Edinburgh via Bathgate will terminate and start back at Dalmuir. Milgai to Edinburgh via Bathgate has been withdrawn. Alternative train routes are available and first bus ticket acceptance is in place. Glasgow Subway will also accept valid tickets. By reporter, Stacey Mullen. This is an article from the Evening Times. 10th of September 2018. Labour lodges motion slamming cruel and unnecessary P1 school tests. Education Secretary John Sweeney has said he remains committed to the Scottish National Standardised Assessments at all levels despite cross-party opposition and calls to cut his losses on the issue. Last week, LIB Dem leader Riley Rennie wrote to other party leaders urging them to join a bid to force a vote on a controversial test as soon as possible. Labour's Ian Gray is now to table a motion at Hollywood calling for standardising national testing from primary one pupils to be scrapped. It comes after feedback for teachers claim some P1 pupils have been left shaken, crying and distressed. The text of the motion briefly reads that the Parliament believes that standardised assessments of primary one pupils should be scrapped. A Scottish Government spokeswoman said standardised assessments provide consistent evidence for teachers to identify the next steps in a child's learning, which is especially valuable in the early ages. This is an article from the Evening Times Online. The Evening Times. News. Recorded on 12th of September, 2018. Top Cop insists violent crime is down despite several city centre attacks in recent weeks. By Stacey Mullen. Glasgow City Centre's top cop has insisted violent crime is not on the increase despite a number of police appeals for serious assaults in recent weeks. Chief Inspector Audrey Hand, who runs the City Centre Area Command from Stuart Street Police Office, said that figures actually show violent crime is down on the same time last year. She added that she is also currently reviewing the current City Centre policing plan. Her comments come after her officers launched another investigation into a stabbing on Sockey Street. 
An innocent bystander, 39, was stabbed in the leg on Sunday morning after a large-scale fight outside the takeaway shop. Police said a group of four men and two women were outside the takeaway shop when they were approached by a group of seven men at around 1.15am. An argument broke out which led to a large-scale fight. Several people were assaulted, but cops did not receive a report of the fight and both groups made off. Detective Constable Mark Patterson said, A man who had nothing to do with this incident has ended up being stabbed in the leg. It's possible people thought the incident wasn't so serious, but an innocent bystander has been attacked by someone intent on causing harm. Even though he had nothing to do with either group, or the trouble that flared up between them. Chief Inspector Hand, however, said appeals have to be made to catch the people responsible. She said, The instance we appealed for recently took place between March this year and last Sunday, and whilst in no way trying to minimise what has happened, we have to appeal to the public for information to assist us to detect the people responsible. While the perception may be that violent crime is on the increase, thanks to the diligence and hard work of local officers, our figures show that it is actually down on the same time last year, in 2016-2017, April to September. We had 74 serious assaults in the city compared to 65 this year and our detection rates have increased from 60.8% to 66.2%. There are a number of investigations ongoing into the instance, which may not have yet resulted in an arrest, hence the reason we need to make those appeals. The latest assault comes after a 21-year-old was stabbed in Cushion nightclub on Bath Street on Friday morning. A 42-year-old was also discovered unconscious in Cadogan Street at West Campbell Street. On Sunday night, he was attacked by another man following an argument. We released CCTV images of two men police wished to speak to yesterday after a man was left with head injuries following an assault in Suckyall Lane on August the 25th. The force is also currently investigating a sex attack in West Regent Lane, which happened last week. Chief Inspector Hand said, We are carrying out a review of our current city centre policing plan and will continue to work with our partners, including Glasgow City Council, the NHS, Street Pastors and Glasgow Taxis. To complement and further enhance the work that is already being done and to reassure the hundreds of thousands of people who live, work and socialise in the city. By Stacey Mullen. This is an article from the Evening Times, 10th of September 2018, written by Maxine MacArthur. Shock as bomb disposal experts rush to tackle explosive device in Bishop Briggs. A bomb disposal team was called out after an item suspected to be an unexploded mortar was found in a canal. Police responding to a report attending an area of the Forth and Clyde Canal in Bishop Briggs yesterday morning. The canal path near the Leisurdrome Leisure Centre was cornered off and the explosive ordnance disposal team called. Elaine McGillan was walking her dog near Hilton Terrace when she spotted the police cordon. She said, I always come out quite early on a Sunday morning, but I slept in this morning otherwise I'd have come face to face with whatever it was. I usually walk along a canal, but there was tape everywhere and a policeman told me there was ongoing incidents so I couldn't go down that way. I had no idea it was so serious until I saw the bomb disposal unit pull up. The quiet residential area is the home of a popular leisure drone complex. One dad was on his way inside with his two young sons when he was told it was closed. 
The man who asked not to be named said, I saw the police tape but didn't think it would be connected until I got to the front door and realised the centre was closed. We only lived round the corner so we just walked home and waited half an hour but it was quite unusual. Two weeks ago the bomb squad was called to Delmarnock when a device believed to be a bomb was discovered in a building site. Police and fire crews also attended the scene as a controlled explosion took place. Nearby residents were told to stay away from their windows while Delmarnock Road and railway station was shut down. A Police Scotland spokeswoman said, We were called at about 10.30am to report of an item being found. The EOD team attended and a matter has been dealt with. Second World War Ordnance devices are occasionally found during the course of building works, having lain undisturbed for decades. Several have been found in Glasgow. In 2016, stunned workers found a suspected grenade while carrying out repairs in a manhole in a residential street in Yorker. This is an article written by Maxine MacArthur. In the Evening Times. News. Recorded on the 12th of September, 2018. Almost 70% rise in Scotswomen giving birth in their 40s. By Caroline Wilson. The number of Scotswomen giving birth in their early 40s has soared by almost 70% in the past 17 years, figures show. Between 2000 and 2017, births to women in their early 40s rose by 68% to 1,907 births, while the number of babies born to women in their late 30s, 35 to 39, rose by 32% to 9,745. A report by the Royal College of Midwives warns that rising obesity levels and the increasing age of pregnant women are placing extra strain on midwifery services, compounded by vacancies rising. The proportion of overweight and obese pregnant women topped 50% for the first time last year in Scotland, reaching 51%. The Royal College of Midwives, RCM, report found. Mary Ross Davey, RCM Director for Scotland, said, There are some great things happening in our maternity services in Scotland, not least the very ambitious Best Start Maternity Programme. However, pressures on our midwives are increasing. The care needs of the women in our care are rising, while the number of unfilled midwifery posts is also rising. By Caroline Wilson. Thank you for listening to this week's edition of the Evening Times. This Audio Talking Newspaper Digest was a Q and Review recording service production. The readers were volunteers at Q and Review, and the producer was Rhiannon McInnes. Q and Review Recording Service Limited is a registered Scottish charity. Number SC018016. Our registered office is at 18 Crowhill Road, Bishop Briggs, Glasgow, G641QY. Remember, you can always get in contact with us by email at information at qandreview.com or by leaving us a message on our answering service at 0141 772 3976.